they're people whose mindset is determined by what's around them. And they're people whose mindset is determined by what's within them. Neither of which are good or bad, but I am in the latter group. My mind determines my state of being, not my surroundings. This is Deep Talk. I have a really delicate headspace. It doesn't take much for me to lose my mind. (laughs) I know people that are a little more stoic than I when it comes to dealing with adversity. But when I have inner conflict, it takes a great deal of effort for that not to come out. I'm not good at disguising my state of being. Not to say that I'm not stoic. I'm just not stoic when it comes to inner turmoil. External turmoil, it's, it's not as big an issue for me. If things are happening around me, if other people are after me, I can deal with that. It doesn't break my psyche as much. But when I have a problem with myself, that is the stuff that shakes my foundation. And I guess to put it simply, I make my own obstacles. This is advantageous in some ways because my confidence can't be easily smushed by naysayers. But this is also problematic because the voice in my head can be my worst enemy. As I've mentioned before, I have a lot of social anxiety that came from being bullied as a little kid. And even though I'm a grown man now, there are still parts of my personality that lean towards retreating at the possibility of persecution. The stuff doesn't impact me. Like when people actually insult me nowadays, it phases me less. It's not a big deal, but I still have these reactionary tendencies of anticipating attacks. I take these preliminary measures to distance myself from people who might do me emotional harm, even though I'm equipped to deal with it nowadays. A good example of this might just be the fact that I cut conversations short. If someone extends an invitation, for the most part, I turn it down. I have a very small group of friends and family members that I trust, and I I mostly stick with them. I don't extend beyond that. But once again, looking on the brighter side of my mental state... I do make my own obstacles. You know, the the biggest problems that I have come from within me. And I'm sure if I learn to tame that someday, I can do whatever I want. I believe that. I am the biggest wall in front of me. Other people at this point can't do much about my passions and what I want to achieve. They just can't. I, I don't allow them to impact me like they once did. So if I tame that monster, which is the devil on my shoulder, you know, that voice in my head that says you're a fake, you're ill-equipped, or you're ingenuine, I've been feeling that a lot, if I can tame that, then I'd be unstoppable. But being honest with myself, I'm, I'm a few decades away from that, truly. You know, I'm, I'm nowhere near being at my full capacity to accomplish the things that I want to do. And that's okay, you know. 
this is this is a growing process. I'm very young compared to the people I work with. So I got a lot of room to grow. I'm a goldfish and I got a big pond to grow. That was the stupidest thing I've ever said on this podcast. Blech. But it's true. <laughs> There's a lot of room for me to progress. And I got to remind myself that because I'm a guy that gets bored easily with repetitive activities. And when it comes to a nine to five job, five days a week, repetition is sort of inherent. So because I'm not in control of that schedule, <clears throat> it's incumbent on me to find ways to experience the days differently if I don't want to lose my mind. And I do. I, I figure out ways to shake it up and to approach the same concept from new angles. I like to think that I'm pretty good about that because it, it, it gives opportunities to see things in a new light and to create something better when you approach it differently. But I want to pause on the internal motivating stuff. I want to complain about the world for a minute. We live in a compliment drought. So rarely do I see another person point out something good in someone else. So rarely do I give a compliment to somebody. And yet we do things and the people around us do things that are so worthy of praise. And despite the elementary nature of a compliment, I feel inclined to explain why this is important, why you should compliment somebody, and why you need to be praised. So there's this silence that exists with your daily grind. All of us work, and all of us work hard for the most part. And you go through your job day in and day out, grinding, creating something selling something, convincing somebody of something. You're putting in all this effort, and how often does someone tell you you're doing a good job? I think it's a safe bet to say that it's very rare for someone to actively state that they appreciate what you are doing. And even though we're in this little compliment drought right now, I had my thirst quenched the other day with the most lovely statement by somebody. They, they told me that I'm really good at interpreting how someone's feeling when they themselves don't know what's going on with them. And man, did that make me feel good because there's, there's nothing I like more in this world than to help somebody feel themselves. It's the most rewarding thing in the world. You know, it takes a lot of time and conversation and empathy to get to a point where you can translate that stuff. But gosh, that, that felt so good for someone to be aware that I, I'm actively trying to help people figure themselves out, to listen to themselves. And I got to say, I didn't know up until last week that I, I wanted to do that and that I loved doing that. But just this one person pointing it out 24 years down the road has totally altered my plan for my life. Because up until that point, I didn't realize that that's something that I was striving for without knowing it. Those are the part of conversations that I love. You know, those deep elements, those things within us that drive us. I didn't know that that's what I loved, but now I do. And it's altered where I'm going to take the rest of my life and how I'm going to treat people. 
And that change in course is attributed to that one compliment. And so I hope that's a good example of what you are capable of when you do or don't compliment somebody. I feel like it's detrimental, the lack of positive observation that we're giving other people. Because it's isolating and it's unrewarding to work so hard and for nobody to notice and nobody to care. And I'm of the belief that we all need more motivation than just the paycheck that we receive. Money cannot be the only driving force in my life for working as hard as I do. You have to enjoy what you're doing. And obviously there, there are points in your life where you just need a grind to get to the next point, but that can't be the end goal to just work for that paycheck. Can't do it. Not in my mind. And I can tell you from experience what happens when you go down that road of working for a paycheck. It is a recipe for smothering passion. You might have this optimism at the beginning of a job like that, that you're going to put forth your best foot and you're going to work as hard as you can and you're going to have a good attitude about it. But if the work doesn't satisfy you, there's going to be a point where that passion diminishes. And it could take a year, it could take five years. But eventually, doing that kind of work will extinguish that passion that you had all those years ago. And the driving force of getting a paycheck, that'll be the last thing standing. And at that point, it'll be worthless to you. It won't make any sense. You have to go where your passion takes you. You have to allow yourself that chance. Now, where things get more hairy is the process of getting to a point where you get the opportunity to do a job that you love. Because what it took for me to get to this point is the grind that occurs on top of the 9 to 5 job. I still need to eat. I still need to live in a house. Before two years ago, nobody was giving me an opportunity to do what I wanted to do. And so, so I didn't have another option. I had to do these jobs that I hated. I had to pick up poop in an elementary school in a cafeteria. I had to get shot with paintball guns while wearing a zombie outfit. But when I got home at 5 o'clock, I made videos. Because that's what I love to do. That's the tool that I can use to impact people. And so after eight hours of hard labor, I was shooting. I was editing. I was creating. And nobody was paying me to do that. I can't tell you how many videos I've made. And I did it because I loved it. And I did this for a decade. And eventually, one of those videos reached somebody in the filmmaking industry. I can't tell you what that meant for someone to look at me and say that I was good enough to do what I love to do for money. <laughs> what a day that was when I found out that, that they were going to pay me to have a camera in my hands. I still work a lot harder than I need to at the job and at the stuff that nobody even asks me to do because I care about it. And I'd like to think that I'm really good 
at pointing out my coworkers' strengths. I hope I am. I know I can be better, but I know that, that I, I do it. So compliments aside, I figure that there are two types of emotions. There's cyclical ones, and there's emotions that drive you forward. And the best examples of both are shame and curiosity. Shame is an emotion that I am so intimately familiar with. I'm very aware of what it feels like to possess qualities that other people put you down for and to be stuck with those things that other people hate. There have been a lot of nights that all that's been in my head is the awareness that the way I am disappoints people or is laughable. And those differences made me feel isolated. And I felt very, very alone for a good chunk of my life because I've lived and acted in ways that other people don't. And these aren't bad things. They're, they're just different. And being different has a cost. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to myself that I didn't give up the things that make me me. Because if that's what it took for me to fit in, I'd be sitting with a stranger right now. But even so, that shame was so damaging and so frustrating and so isolating. And it was this cyclical thing. The shame I had made me feel worse about myself and that that state that I was in generated more thoughts to support that ideology, that belief that I am not worth it. And the way that I am, I should be disappointed in. It propagated new evidence that I was a a lame person, you know, and that I wasn't worth it. And so that's what I mean when I say cyclical. These negative emotions, if we indulge them, create these loops that keep us in these sad, sad states, and it makes us burrow down further into ourselves. And eventually you get to a point, like I did, where you don't even need people to tell you why you're not worth it. You just create those reasons yourself because it's been done enough to you that the thoughts in your head become those people, and you just bully yourself. You just tell yourself you're not worth it. You know, anytime there's silence when you're laying in bed and, and nothing's going on, those voices are still there. And I don't know how I got through that. I don't know how to convince you that it's worth it to get through that because that was the darkest times in my life. But I can tell you that I'm at a point now where I'm happy with myself. And those differences are what I use to leverage my skills. Those things in me that I was once ashamed of, those are the only things that I rely on to get ahead. Those things that that I hated about myself for so long, that's what makes me unique now. 
And so if nothing else, be aware of the things that divide you from others, because there's a good chance that that is your only opportunity to, to find something original about yourself. And so I'd say the opposite emotion to shame is curiosity. And there's a vulnerability there. And there's a risk to curiosity about pursuing avenues where you don't know what's at the end. You don't know where it leads. But it is the way by which we reinvent ourselves. That's what curiosity does. It gives you opportunities to find new connections and new ways to speak and to create. And that curiosity feels like the antithesis of shame, doesn't it? It doesn't feel cyclical. It doesn't feel like it's going to drown you in what you already have and make you feel worthless. It makes you feel like you can just expand and move forward and not look back. That's what curiosity does. There's always something new to explore. And I think that that's been playing into this weird experience I'm having with changing landscapes. Like, like the places around me aren't changing, but, but where I am in space changes all the time, you know, as I move and drive and all that, like there's different things to see. Just this weekend, I was, I was on 300 acres on this farm surrounded by dogs and little mini horses and stuff. And now I'm sitting back in my house, just looking at a wall. But I know I won't be here that long. I know I, I got to go to work, and after that, you know, there's, there's other chores to do. But constantly, the environment around us changes as we move through it. And I think a mistake that we make is in carrying the mindset of a previous landscape into the current landscape that we're in. You know, you might go on vacation, but if you're still bogged down with the workload that's ahead of you or that you've just finished, then you're not on vacation, are you? Your body might be, but, but your mind is still stuck at work. And so I think it's really important that we carry our mind with us as we move through space. And as our landscapes change, so should our mindset. If you're always on the move, there are a lot of opportunities to be changed for the better. And it's crazy, it's frustrating how easy it is to carry a landscape with you. A mindset that isn't worth keeping. Because you can be in the most beautiful place in the world, but if you're feeling cruddy, then you may as well be in a dump. And that comes down to taming that monster within. You know, that, that part of you that tells you that it's not worth it. And I think the best way to combat that little monster inside you is to keep moving, you know, to be curious, to explore a new landscape, whether physically or mentally, you know. When I was younger, um, people's words to me were more like blueprints than suggestions or observations. Like adhering to what they were saying or asking me to do was inevitable. Their words carried weight. And the, the positivity or the negativity of their statements impacted me so much. And as a kid, it makes sense why I'd view what they're saying as blueprints. I had such limited experience. 
when someone told me how to do something, I perceived that method as the only way. I didn't consider that, that there were other avenues to take. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that everything has a million ways to do that thing. The way that you approach a situation can be done at so many different angles. And it's only when we choose not to explore those angles that we feel like we get stuck in a rut and that that repetition starts wearing on you and starts smothering you. And so even though your circumstances might not be changing, your mindset can always change and you can approach something that you've already done before with a different attitude, therefore making it new. And that's how you deal with the funk within. Mm -hmm.